This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Here we go again. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Hey, what's up? This is your host, Jesse Carter. Pro Wrestling Shoot. It's about to get exciting. Pro Wrestling Shoot. How long is this going to last? Pro Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Shoot. I'm your host, Jesse Carter, and today I'm joined with the one and only Matt Seidel. How's it going, man? All right, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks, dude. I, you know, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for the, taking the time out of your day to join us here on the show, man. All right, yeah, it's a lovely Saturday here in Tampa Bay. We are sheltering in place as everybody in Florida, nay, I say the entire country and or planet should be doing. Uh, so yeah, you know, we're just, uh, laying low, trying to not get rained on out here. It's good. Life's <laughs> De- good. Definitely, man. How's life been going for you since the start of the pandemic? Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, I've been unemployed since March, you know, 17th, essentially. Uh, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been a challenge. I mean, I haven't sold many t-shirts. I really haven't done much work. Uh, we, I've made some gear and some knee pads for guys. Um, but you know, that's not really cutting it these days. Uh, so, you know, I just I just mainly focus on training and just trying to be ready for when the gates open back up. Definitely, man. How are you, so how are you staying busy during this time off? I have a six year old and, um, you know, he won't be going to school. So that's that's plenty. And uh, I do coach um, up at a wrestling school here at the side dojo in Clearwater, Florida. So I coach wrestling about three days a week and then I'm training, you know, every day and Reading a few books, just read some Bill Bryson. Um, you know, I, I, I managed to stay busy. Even played a little Fortnite last night. So <laughs> there you go, man. It's always good to break away from the norm. Yeah. So um, we'll dig into your life a little bit right now. Um, when in, when in life did you decide that you wanted to do pro wrestling for a living? Well, I think I came out of the womb and and then tried to pin the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer, man. But then the nurse hit me in the back of the head with a chair, and I've been weird ever since. Man, just got CTE at a young age, huh? Yeah, right. I didn't even have a, a, a brain to an undeveloped brain uh, at that time. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like your brain doesn't really develop till way, way later. And I definitely, so I started wrestling. I mean, I don't know. I never wanted to be a wrestler. I've just always been one. I mean, that's that's that is the truth. My truth. Um, I started wrestling, uh, amateur wrestling in high school, but by my like by my sophomore year of high school, I was already building rings in my backyard. Kind of each year, we would rebuild a new one. Uh, so that's like my freshman or my junior, my sophomore, junior years, and the summer going into my senior year, I built a ring, and then my parents sort of said that was going to be our last backyard show because we had a old fashioned. Japanese bloodbath, you know, just wall-to-wall insanity, as all kids should, you know, do these days. Uh, so then I started training at a local company, uh, you know, local indie fed. Um, and within a couple months, I was already on shows. And, I, I mean, that was when I was 17. I wasn't even 18 yet. I wasn't out of high school. I wrestled, 
you know, all through college. And then I just kept pursuing wrestling until I started wrestling in Japan for Dragon Gate. Uh, and that's when I really became like a pro pro because then I was able to just be a pro wrestler. Wow. How was it working in Dragon Gate? It's the greatest organization of all time. I mean, for me, I never really I don't I didn't have a lot of respect for myself. I think that's kind of how I was trained uh, that I, I, you know, the in the Midwest, you know, you're nobody. And like, you have to be big and tough and strong and all these things. And, you know, I was kind of pushed around and bullied, um, but I kept chasing it down. And luckily, when I was at the, that first indie, I paired up with a wrestler named Delirious, who is possibly the smartest man in all of pro wrestling like him and Conan and like there's not many people at this level of um knowledge and anyway that's like how I got introduced to like Dave Meltzer's newsletter tons of different Japanese wrestling and um he kind of got me ready that's when we started working in IWA Mid-South and then Ring of Honor and that's what led to Dragon Gate but but until I got to Dragon Gate I didn't really realize how much like there had really not been much respect in wrestling. You know, it was sort of a, a renegade outlaw, um, more of a sideshow than anything. But when you wrestle in Japan, it was formal. It was respectable. It was honorable and it was decent. And uh, that's what I loved about it. I mean, that's where like I had a really good work ethic um, when it came to training from my amateur wrestling career. But I didn't realize that not bad for an American wrestler, but. When you get over to Japan, they just they they really leveled up my training, my work ethic, like, and it was the first time I was really a pro because I was wrestling four or five times a week, not just you know twice a weekend. I mean, I would I would sometimes have triple shots or quadruple shots with Ian, but for the most part, it was just weekend warrior. Go to college, you know, get out of school, go wrestle on a Friday and Saturday, come home Sunday, go to school on Monday, and um, actually, when I went to Dragon Gate, I was I had already graduated, but. Um, I, I had done like one tour of England and one tour of Germany, but I didn't consider myself a pro. I just considered it to be my hobby, my passion, just something I was just doing, um, because I loved it. And then when I got to Dragon Gate, I was like, this is the life for me. Like, I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to be anything else. I came home from that tour. I left my job. I threw all my bags back home and just kind of started living on the road by, I guess I was like 22 or 23 then when I really just started living on the road as, you know, a lot of wrestlers do these days. You just, you don't really have to have, you don't really have a home because you're always on tour. Right. Right. At, at, well, so at what point did uh, WWE come calling? You know, it's crazy because that, like I was talking to you about that first indie fed that I worked for right. at one of these shows, I was still 17. Um, they brought in the big main event was Nova versus RVD, which for me as like a huge ECW fan growing up, like right, me too. Not not just huge. Let's call it obsessive, like <laughs> bordering on psychopathic. I mean, I just loved it. Like, I mean, I couldn't get enough of Tajiri, Super Crazy Taz, and then obviously RVD and Nova. And so these guys were on the show, and lo and behold, um, I, I haven't seen Nova since that day when I was seventeen. But, uh, you know, my reputation had kind of continued. And he, at that time, he was in charge of WWE d d talent relations or he had some role in talent relations. And I went to, gosh, let me go. If you want to jump into a time machine, you can use a pay phone, which is what I had to use and a calling card <laughs> to call back home 
to check the messages on my phone, and I had a message from them saying, hey, we want you to do a little tryout. So, uh, you know, get a hold of us. And then I went I went and did a tryout, and they told me they weren't hiring guys my size, and then they signed me two weeks later. Wow. So who came up with the name Evan Bourne? Was it you or them? Uh, I mean, I, it was me and Joey Styles. You and Joey Styles? Wow. Yeah, they came up with some terrible name to name me, like, you know, some writer's room name. Can you and remember? I, can you remember any of them? It was like Jackson Jordan or jo- you know Jason Jordan. Literally, I mean, I know he's a current wrestler, but they, they you know, <laughs> that wasn't a new name. Uh, wow. They, uh, you know, and then I remember the writer. I can't remember her name, but she was super su- sweet and nice, and one of the more one of the ones that really kind of respected the athletes there. And anyway, I said, listen, I have to live with this name for the rest of my life. Could I have five or ten minutes to figure it out? And they're like, you have two minutes because we got to get it to the lawyers. And I said, <laughs> okay, no problem. And then because I'm new and I, I wasn't even called up, I just showed up at the show. Uh, it's, it's a long story, but um, um, so I uh, talk, I, I grabbed the only person who I do know is CM Punk. And I say, Punk, what do I do? They're trying to give me this terrible name. Um, how do I salvage this? And he goes, listen, I don't know how to help you because like, what's he going to do? Come up with a name for me? He's like, uh, but I do know somebody who can. And he called over Joey Styles, who keep in mind at this point, I don't know how many, if I've met Joey Styles more than once or twice in my life. And the, oh my God, Joey Styles was like what I lived for. And anyway, Joey took me into his office and said, Hey, let's write down some names, brainstorm. Hey, think of anybody from movies that you think is cool. And uh, we'll write down some names and make it happen. And I told him I like mission impossible. And then he said, well, how about the born identity? I said, that's cool too. And then, yeah, then basically, um, yeah, I have a friend named Evan. thought it was a cool name. So Evan born was born. And then I did literally five, 10 minutes later, I'm doing a promo and I finished this horrible, God awful promo. And then right as soon as the promo was over, Colin Delaney was, uh, by the side of it watching. And he said, Oh wow. Evan born. You could be like airborne. And I was like, this is great. You know, then we were really <laughs> off to the races, but yeah, I didn't have airborne nickname before. Uh, we just came up with the name Evan Bourne just as a quick fix. Okay. So, and they didn't like Matt Seidel. No, I had wrestled as Matt Seidel all over the world ring of honor, but especially what bothered them is that I it had wrestled. I had wrestled on TV on wrestling society X as Matt Seidel and they oh, that's why. Okay. were worried about, but, but they, this was a time where everybody, you know, you get into the system, you have to change your name to a WWE trademark own name. That way they can trademark it. They can make action figures and they can make all the money off of it. Right. Cause they've been famous for saying that they create characters. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they, they have the marketing machine to do that. And they really do. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, AJ's been the best wrestler since I can since I got into wrestling, basically. And you know, now, but now he's a you know, his the magnitude of his reach has increased, you know, exponentially. And that's really what WWE can do. I mean, there's nobody else who could do it like them. Luckily, AEW's starting to nip at their nip at their heels. Um, but yeah, I mean WWE, they are just extraordinary when it comes to promoting and marketing. And I went to college for marketing, so I mean, like, I was one of the first guys on Twitter. I think it's like 2008 or maybe even before. 
I get on Twitter and I remember them telling us, no, you can't get on Twitter. Don't do, don't tweet. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I remember thinking, boy, this is a great platform for marketing. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like Twitter has become a pretty effective marketing tool. Oh yeah. definitely. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's because it's because the most effective marketing technique is word of mouth, not an ad, you know, ads are great. They're effective at eliciting like you're like, I mean, if you go back in the history of public relations, I mean, it's basically like they know people pay attention to sex and violence and they're able to, you know, associate cars with your manliness and all these things. But when it comes down to it, people pick up the restaurant they eat at because someone went to that restaurant and said it was good. And the way indie wrestling worked before Twitter was you've literally had to get this word of mouth reputation through the locker rooms where basically you can get the approval of every, you know, the, the sort of consensus on your caliber of wrestling and now we have twitter which allows for direct one-to-one marketing direct one-to-one um recommendations uh whether it's like hey which who should we bring in for summer sizzler 98 or whatever like then the fans can just say hey we we like these guys but then obviously then like what holds the most weight is sort of what the wrestlers are saying about each other and um it really is. A, it's an unbelievable marketing tool, and uh, I imagine it will continue to be. Even though it's limited in characters, it really has been pretty extraordinary. Personally, I'm an Instagram guy, um, but that's because I got on Twitter so early. Half those, um, half of the, like, I don't know what you call them, features. Half of the features weren't even available when I first got on, and I sort of thought, oh, it's kind of limited. Yeah, maybe it's got. <laughs> maybe there's something better out there. But it turns out they really just kind of kept. I guess updating it and what do you whatever it calls, uh, yeah, update, upgrade. Definitely. Um, so, so who were some of the people you enjoyed working with the most in 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 your WWE run? Uh, you know, I really liked working with Jack Swagger. I liked working with. I mean, it, it's like who who did I like working with inside the ring, outside the ring, because you have to understand at WWE, there's this amazing network of wrestlers in the back. Right. So I, yeah. mean, I, I, when I got there, my idols, like Dean Malenko, who is basically like, I was just obsessed with, uh, was backstage. Arn Anderson is backstage. And these guys are just tweaking my matches. I'll come back. You know, I'd come back from a match where I wrestled swagger and Ray Mysterio would come in and say, Oh, why don't you try this next match? Or have you ever thought about it this way? And so I just had all these guys really just giving me input. Uh, one of the biggest influences I had was a guy named Jamie Noble, who oh, yeah. I, had, I wrestled on the indies a couple times. But then when he was in WWE, I know he went to bat for me so many times in, the, in meetings, I'm sure. And he really just was selfless in giving me all, you know, he spent years and years and years learning all these techniques. And then the first chance he could get, he was in the ring with you sharing them and that's that's sort of you know that's like the thing that guys like matt hardy do as well but both the hardys were so welcoming to me i was so i mean you got to understand i didn't never felt like i belonged to wwe i'm five foot eight i'm 160 pounds um but the the people there were just so welcoming and and kind and warm i mean there was obviously like um plenty of times where you question if you belonged there but uh i there really was a high caliber of human being because i just grew up in a small town st louis missouri i never expected to be at this world-class level and when you get to that world-class level everybody 
from the technicians in the back to the guys doing the sound to the guys making the stage. Everybody was at this level where I was like, holy cow, these are extraordinary people. These people are the best. You know, these are people. It's like I went from, you know, local stuff. And even when I was in Japan, it was still kind of localized wrestling. But this was a company so big they could take whoever was the best on earth and get them there. And I mean, that, that was what was really special is because I felt like there was just like tons of people with knowledge, like even guys like MVP and Shelton Benjamin were super welcoming to me. I remember MVP just like we had a random battle Royal and he just threw me in the air and like forced me to do a hurricane Rana to him. And I just, (laughs) it, it, it was just, it was really cool because I was getting respect for my in ring work. And I mean, I was really getting a lot of lessons, um, you know, everywhere. And, and that, that's what I kind of teach my guys now at my, my wrestling school, the side dojo, side dojo.com. Uh, you know, people can check that out. Uh, we're kind of closed right now, basically because of the coronavirus. but I, I imagine by September, October, we'll be back in business. There you go, man. Well, do you, do you miss the WWE or are you happy applying your craft on the independence? No, I mean, I, it was, I, I just do my thing. You know, I mean, I miss the people, I miss the guys, but WWE is just the three letters. You know, it's no giant big deal. Monster. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely. mean, no, it's, it's not a giant. I mean, not it's not even that. It's just that's. I mean, as a wrestler, you just. I mean, be whatever organization you're with doesn't like. It, it's nice, but it doesn't mean I'm less. I have less value because I'm not there. Because less people, just because less people see my work, doesn't make my work any less valuable or oh, any well, less important or any less worthwhile so i don't care i prefer live events that's my favorite way to wrestle i like wrestling in front of a live crowd i don't like playing to the hard cam in fact i quite quite frankly i hate it and i have an entire proposition on how to film wrestling in a new way and you know that so i you know i just i figured i'd change wrestling a lot in ring work and i'd also like to change the way it's filmed i'd like to change the way people watch it you know, I just think that wrestling is not a static enterprise. It is always changing, and my goal is to always be at the crest of the wave of that change. Wow, that's a good answer, man. So um, what do you do to become so athletic in the ring, dude? What What is your workout regimen? Oh, well, I mean, I d- there's some footwork drills we do. Like, we do these things called walking big boots, where we ba- you basically, like, walk and give big boots. Um, shuffles, <laughs> side shuffles, ollie shuffles, which is like, um, ollie shuffles where you're just switching stances, switching stances, switching stances. I had a really bad, uh, at- motorcycle accident in 2012 and I've never really recovered from it. So, uh, most of my life is like wake up and then do my footwork drills, do my foot strengthening stuff, then kind of wait for the pain to go down and then kind of then do lift, uh, lift weights, which has been nice for me because I've had like a really bad shoulder injury, shoulder and neck injury. That's kind of been on and off for about five years. So it's nice to be able to lift weights again, but you know, I'm a, I don't want to call myself a yoga master, but my brother, Mike is the yoga monster, Mike Seidel. He's an incredible wrestler and an even more mind blowing yogi. So, um, you know, we do our kind of, Seidel yoga then we do our you know it's uh i i got to the point where i i I don't want to say i'm like what's that guy's name tony tony ferguson of the ufc but basically it's like when it comes to rehabbing myself 
I can do it better than a physical therapist can. I, I did physical therapy for two years, and then it wasn't until I decided that I was going to do it myself that I really felt like I started to recover. Um, because you know, we, you, your body knows what you need. Your body tells you, and so it's just a matter of quieting yourself enough to listen, and then um, taking your own advice. Definitely, man. Um, let's talk about your time in Impact a little bit. Um, wh- when did you when did you decide to make the jump to Impact? Well, I don't know. Whatever year it says on my Wikipedia, man. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Son Sonjay and Scott, uh, Sonjay Dutt and Scott Demore reached out to me, and I mean, it was a great opportunity because I don't like traveling, um, and they were filming in Orlando, so right. it was excellent. Right home, huh? it, it was great, yeah. And I mean, not to mention all the other, all the awesome guys that were wrestling there at the time, and uh, the guys that I, there were also guys that I didn't know that I ended up having matches with that really blew my mind. Like guys like Eli Drake. Uh, I was just like, you know, you just, until you tie up with somebody, you don't know how good they are. And impact had a lot of these guys like Eddie Edwards, who somehow we had just never run into each other to get to wrestle. And then at impact, they'd book us at these tapings where you'd have sometimes two matches in a day. And I was still nursing my shoulder injury and I, when you, but when you get to work pros like that, it was so easy. And you know, I got to work with Caleb Conley and Trevor Lee. It was a, it was a stacked roster, and it was, it was really a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I really loved wrestling. Then just, I live about two hours from Orlando, so I'd drive home, shower, wash my knee pads in my, you know, at my own house. Get up the next morning, make a cup of coffee myself in my own house, and then go out and wrestle. So I felt like the work I did was the best, and they really believed in me. And, and there was a, a guy on the production team named Jimmy, who Jimmy and Sonjay. And then after a little while, um, Jimmy Jacobs was there as well. And they really helped me unleash my character and my promos within wrestling. You know, just like the we do a lot of promos in wrestling, but it's not always like in character about a match. And so getting to do those really helps. Um, I loved working with Conan, like I've mentioned him already. I just mm-hmm. think he's like one of the geniuses of this business. And then I got to work with Ray Phoenix, the Pentagon. Um, oh, yeah. who I, I worked with both of them in PWG. And actually, like kind of at this time, I, around this time, my neck was so bad, I had to stop wrestling for PWG because I couldn't really handle doing um, impact and any or and and. and and any other dates, it was just a big challenge. I mean, one one, one night I uh, with Impact, I tried to do a top rope Rana, and I basically crashed and burned, and I dislocated my left shoulder. But I had a show in Israel that I had to leave for the next day, so I just drove home. Uh, they they put my shoulder back in right after the match because they had a doctor Ouch. there because they're a responsible company who respects the boys enough to make sure that they had EMTs there. <laughs> Well, you, I mean, you'd be surprised how many sh- places you show up and they don't have EMTs, and usually you don't need them and you don't want to use them, and that's literally the only time I've – well, I've needed an EMT tw- at my matches basically twice for myself, um, and it's scary, but they popped it back in, and I got on a plane and went to Israel the next day and wrestled um, – uh, yeah, and then I, had, then I had a match basically with one arm. Because well, wrestlers are crazy, but you know, there's you know, nothing's guaranteed, and you never know when your next paycheck's coming. That's why I'm glad I worked so hard because it's been, I mean, March, April, May, June, July. I'm gonna get. I have a show at the end of August in Texas, August 28th and 29th in Texas. But that's you know six six months out, 
and then I left Impact at the end of twenty at the end of twenty eighteen. Like my contract expired, but the last match I did in twenty eighteen was a match in Puerto Rico against Marty Squirrel, and I blew out my knee, my meniscus on my knee. So I had to take the first six months of twenty eighteen off as well. And then eh, six, almost eight months, because I wasn't able to get in much work in that kind of six to eight months. I got in a match or two, one that was really bad, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to get back to the drawing board uh, just because I, my body physically wasn't ready for it. Then I had a good 2019, you know, ran hard, had some good matches, um, and then, bam, 20, 2020 hit, and here we are, you know, yeah. sitting at home trying to figure out other ways to make money around here. It's just um, – you know, I've been a kid, I've been pro wrestling like a maniac since I like I said before I was 17, basically like 14 or 15. So a little rest is actually doing me really well, and I expect when I come back, I'm gonna you know make people's minds explode and jaws drop and get back to the usual, get back to the way things were. Yeah, I have no doubt about that, man. You're one of the most incredible guys that I've ever seen in the ring, so no doubt about that. Well, yeah, we uh, keep pushing on. Yeah, you got you, man. You got no choice. Uh, so what would you say is the best match you've had in Impact, if you could pick one? I don't know, man. I, You know, the matches aren't like, you know, the matches are for the fans. They're, they're you know, once I finish with the match, it's for it's for everybody else. Like, right. Well, who, you know, who, who did you enjoy working with the most? Uh, Ishimori. Ishimori? Yeah, Taji Ishimori. He's now in Bullet Club with... Yeah. Um, New Japan, but I mean, he's just, he's just one of these guys that I looked up to my whole career because he used to do this. Oh man. He would hit the rope. He would do like the, the handspring into the ropes, moonsault elbow. So it's like a 450 moonsault to an elbow. I mean, I just have always been a fan of his. Um, so it was just that, that was really cool. And we got to wrestle a couple times. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like I like working when I had the, my matches with Brian Cage, but like I said at that time, my neck was so bad. There's no way I should have actually been wrestling, and I mean that that was just that was my call, and it was just a bad, it was a bad call. But I've I've wrestled hurt my whole life, and kind of have been able to get away with it. And that one was sort of just like the last time I I would get in the ring with my neck that bad. And then luckily they were able to help me out and kind of ease my workload after that and uh you know i've been training my neck ever since and it still could uh you know be better but you know i'm sure you know kurt angle wrestled with it worse <laughs> oh yeah definitely so so now you're back in the independence again um any companies stand out that you enjoy working for yeah well i like working for rev pro in england i like wrestling for defy in seattle oh yeah that's my hometown man <laughs> Seattle or London? <laughs> well, S Seattle, Seattle. Okay. So, well, I'm not in Seattle, but that's one of my home promotions. So I have three of them. I have Defy Wrestling. Um, DOA is out in Portland. And then I have um, Prestige Wrestling, which is basically right in my backyard. And it's a great up-and-coming promotion. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I could remember this one in North Carolina. I don't know why the name's slipping me. I don't know if it's XWA. What the heck is it? I don't know. There's a great one in North Carolina. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, the dog. Um, yeah, I mean, but right, you know, as as of right now, I don't don't really have much going on uh, work wise. So my my main Definitely. focus is really has really been on training uh, my students because I I've had two of my students be on uh, wrestle on AEW Dark, 
which has been a bit, you know, that was a big pride moment for me for these guys. They work really hard. And, um, you know, I don't teach that. I teach the wrestling that I like the most because I, I found out the way to love wrestling is to do it your way and not worry about what everybody else does. I don't watch anybody else's stuff. It's, you know, I, it's nice. But I just do the wrestling that I enjoy and what I think is great. And then I teach it to my guys. And then when they go out, they end up having, you know, really good matches and impressing the agents and, and really putting on a good show for themselves. Because we really just try and wrestle a creative, unique style. That way, if you tune into one of the matches, you're seeing something you haven't seen before, which is sort of a, an unfortunate symptom of wrestling is that everybody who watches the same wrestling wrestles the same. You know, everybody who listens, if you if everybody listened to the same radio station, we'd all make the same songs when we played music. Uh, So, yeah, that's a great analogy. We we listen to different music. We and we play different songs. And uh, I really take a lot of pride. I'd rather like I'd rather have my students go to AEW and fail doing our doing our own material than like taking the easy way out and doing duck one hit a cutter and the crowd's going to pop. I mean, we all know right. <laughs> the crowd will always pop if you hit that cutter, but it's like, you know, what, what are you doing to make it your own or make it different or be unique? You know, what's your look? How do you stand out? Are you in better shape than the guys you're on the show with? Are you in better shape than the guy across the ring from you? And, you know, can you, can you draw people into that moment and really build some tension and excitement? And then, uh, you know, have have some real exciting matches. Definitely, man. Well, so I gotta ask. I ask everybody coming on here. Um, growing up, who who was an who was a huge influence in the wrestling business for you? Wow, well, I mean, you know, it's 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 hard to say because there's different different people in different eras. Um, I right. don't think I've yeah. ever. I don't think I've ever grown up. And I mean, I'm influenced to this day. Like I, I, Ray Phoenix influences me and inspires me to this day i mean absolutely love that guy it's like it's like the thing for me is who cares who like it just everybody you take a little something along the way like there was a time where i was just obsessed with taz like i mean you like you know (laughs) ftw 13 i will get in the merchandise i mean it's just um but for me it's always about finding a source of inspiration like today like tomorrow yesterday so it's like there's a tag team called the Besties in the World. They wrestle for AAW, which is like a great promotion in Chicago, Danny Daniels' company. Um, and and it's like Matt Fitchett, these guys, they they inspire me. So for me, it's it's like finding something for today, finding something for tomorrow. But I mean, I can go back and I could watch Masawa, Kobashi, Kenta, Marafuji. Uh, all day. I mean, the biggest influence in my life and my whole career in wrestling is Sima. Uh, when he oh, brought yeah. me into Dragon Gate, he basically brought me under his wing a lot, a lot like how Jamie Noble did to me when I was in WWE. But with Sima, I would be in tag matches with him every day, five days in a row for months at a time. And I, you know, just his, I mean, I, I had to, I had to change what I did when I got to WWE, but but Sema is still basically the the largest influence on me, and I'm really proud to kind of carry his mentality and approach to wrestling as sort of mine. And I think you see a lot of Sema in Ricochet and in Pac, um, Neville. I think people know him as as well. But th- mm-hmm. those two guys, you know, the three of us were just. He brought us to Japan. He took us under his wing. He showed us this crazy work ethic of training before the shows. 
wrestle the show. Hey, why not? Let's train after the show. I mean, that's just what we did. I mean, it's just wrestling is our life. It's a lifestyle. And um, so it's like, who influenced you in wrestling? It's like, who has influenced my life? You know, and that's really, Definitely. it really boils down to the Dragon Gate guys and SEMA especially. Well, uh, in your career, did you ever have a title that meant the most to you or that you held? Yes, open the the Dragon Gate, open the Brave Gate title. That was that was definitely the most meaningful to me. It was uh, I, I won the IWA Mid South Cruiserweight title, and that was a big deal uh, for me because no, I had never won a title before, um, and it, it really just meant Ian believed in me, and I, I wrestled J.C. Bailey, R.I.P. Uh, we 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 had some wild matches, just crazy. Uh, so I was proud of that stuff, but it, you know it wasn't like the ch- the championship didn't mean anything didn't really mean anything to me, but that opened the brave gate title, man. It was just the most honorable thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, it's the most beautiful belt. It's exquisite. Uh, and being the first American for being the first foreigner to win that meant, meant the world to me. And yeah, that, that I mean, the, the drag gate championships really have sustained throughout the years, managed to hold a really high level uh, of tradition and reputation and honor. And, you know, like I'm being ring of honor tag champ with Christopher Daniels meant a lot to me, but really that open the, open the brave gate title was, it was, and still is the most meaningful thing that I've ever done in, in, in my career. Right on, man. So I, I'm actually a pretty big fan of AEW. I like what they got going on. Is there any chance in the future that we could possibly see Matt Seidel in AEW? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, all they would probably have to do is give me a phone call, or I mean, I, maybe I should just show up. I don't know, but yeah, I love AEW. I mean, I, I, I firmly believe that the Young Bucks are everything that's good about pro wrestling. I, I think they saved the business. I, I think they've since 2014, 13. I don't even know when, but they really flipped everything on its head. They know what the crowd wants. They're the most creative guys they're incredible wrestlers and i will say they too were heavily influenced by dragon gate and i i believe in that style i i believe that that's what people flipping through the channels will want to watch um yeah i mean i i'm a i'm a huge fan of aew when i left wwe it was my goal to start my own fed just like aew like i wanted to get the whole bullet club and everybody from Ring of, a lot of the guys from Ring of Honor. At one point, I had a money guy who was interested, but he chose to do his own Fed called the National Wrestling League, and it was an epic <laughs> failure. And I told him it was going to be, and no, he didn't listen to me. And you know, luckily for luckily, the Bucks and Cody got together with Tony Khan, who ha, who is just everything that wrestling needed is being given out right now. They respect their wrestlers. They give them their freedom. They give them opportunity. They give them paydays. Uh, yeah, so I mean, and from my friends at AEW, I always hear good, you know, I hear nothing but good things. When I send my students there, I know I'm sending them to a place where they're going to be, um, you know, where where it's a place where I don't have to worry about them getting having anything bad happen to them or like bad influences in the locker room. I mean, it's really an odd, like, that's what I really like about AEW is that they're really striving to do the right thing in all aspects of wrestling, from the backstage to the charities they support. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a dream fed, and yeah, you know, for me, I don't it's not like I watch the product every day, 
every night. I'm not upset. You know, I, there's only so much time and, and I train every Wednesday night, but man, um, Chuck and Trent are there. I mean, there's just, there's so much good wrestling to be had. Like I said, Pentagon and Phoenix, they always come up. It's a loaded roster for sure. Yeah. I mean, and there's tons of good matches. I mean, the inner circle, I mean, they, they've, they've made factions that there's, it, it's what AEW didn't have to succeed. It did. You know, there was no guarantee of any success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's been a collaborative effort. And I think that's what I really respect about what Tony Khan's done is while he has the helm, he has the reins, he really is listening to the guys and is hearing what they're saying and creating content that the guys are really proud of. That way they can put their whole heart and soul into what they're doing because they all believe in it and they're all collaborating together. And a a lot of wrestling federations, the traditional way is the booker and the management tell the wrestlers what to do and the wrestlers do it. The same way Hollywood has actors with a script, the actors read the script and they do what's there. And if they have an idea for a better line, they don't always get to say it because that's not in the script. Where AEW is just like, hey, the way we do this is we build it together. We create this whole world together and um, it's a really cohesive thing that that the AEW fans can buy into. And I don't like, I don't buy into the AEW versus WWE. I just think People should like what they like, and if you're drawn to something, it doesn't mean let like if people don't watch AEW, it doesn't make AEW any less or WWE any less. If you pick a side, right. per se, people should just find the wrestling they enjoy and do it. But we, as wrestlers, and we as wrestling fans who have are like I, I assume there's a lot of people who enjoy wrestling in a similar fashion as me, and we needed AEW. We we needed it so bad. And it's just like, I mean, they hit a million people watching they, their TV show with the Young Bucks. And I and I like, I tweeted the other day, the Young Bucks are the best, and I, I stand behind my statement. I mean, that just proves it. It's really exciting, be, you know, um, seeing your friends succeed. You know, it's cool when I watch when I when I saw Ricochet become the U.S. champion. For me, that was like as good as winning the belt myself. Right. You know, and now and now watching the Young Bucks have their own Fed, it's like the, I've. When you when you wrestle with these guys and you travel with them and you re- wrestle them a lot, you understand like their genius is not common. They're 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 just they're a higher order of wrestling intelligence than anyone can be because they're creating it as we go. Like they're they're creating what wrestling is every day. They're not looking to the past. Or they're not looking. Oh, what's it gonna be? They're they're. Oh well, th- this is how things were. They're they're in tune with today's crowd. They're in tune with today's wrestlers, and they're in tune with what people want. And I mean, they go out there and they rock and roll every night, and that's what fans want. They want to sing and dance. They want to rock and roll, and uh, that's what the Bucks do. I mean, they're cool. Like yeah, I, man. You know, I think you I know, think I just a- dig it. I think AEW has definitely made wrestling fun to watch again, and I don't subscribe to the the league versus league type stuff. But I think that you would be a great fit on that roster and it'd be exciting to see you there. But, um, as, as we wind down here to the end, um, just a couple more questions for you. Are you excited for everything to get back to normal? Well, please. Well, you know, no, no, normal was not okay. What we, what we've been dealing with before is not I meant for your career, yeah. like to be oh, able to, my career. to, to well, work. You know, there's going to be yeah. no normal. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you know, here I am. Like we're talking about wrestling, and my brain's always like 
social justice and like fixing <laughs> the world. Uh, just because I mean, like for for me, my wrestling platform is not about re- like wrestling is important, but it's it is more of more of a way for me. It's it's allowed me to go to every country, not every country, but a lot of countries and a lot of cities and meet a lot of people. So when I hear people say, oh, so-and-so from this country or from this place, they're not good people or they're not this. I said, I can tell you for a fact I've been there and they're great. And like so uh, what what I would love to do is get back to, to that where I can continue connecting with people from all over the world and really share this universal language of pro wrestling with everybody that for some reason you could be in Morocco, you can be in Japan, and you can be in Mexico – but we all speak the same love language of wrestling Definitely. and it's 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 amazing man i mean like you can take and then you have uh, it's uh so get, getting getting back to wrestling w- would be great but I, i'll wait it out as long as we have to i wear i wear my n95 mask i mean we it, the town i live in is number 7 in the country of um per capita incidence of covid so it's just it's a it's a precarious time and uh it really is less for for me like wrestling does have to take a back seat to like taking care of the health of like family and grandmas and i totally agree yeah you know i mean wrestling's great and all but in but in the end it's just i mean it's wrestling like it's Right. Very transcendent. So I'm I'm glad that I'm able to use it. And I mean, like, interacting with fans is my favorite thing. High fiving them, slapping the hands, chatting with them before the show, after the show. So it, it would be nice if we can get back to that. But it's it's going to be really hard to go out and do these shows in August and not really be able to high five and and the meet and greets before the shows are going to be so different. But the the idea is just to adapt and overcome and um you know the way i see it there, there's going to be some kind of virtual distribution of wrestling or some you know i i have this wrestling video game from virtual basement coming out so there's just going to be new new ways to connect with fans so it might be less actually wrestling at live events and it might be more podcasts it might be more videos it's just going to be different and so i never expect things to go back to the way they were I expect things to be new and exciting and different, and hopefully I can be one of the guys changing the business in the right ways for the right things. And hopefully people can catch me on TV, but if not, I'll definitely come to their town and wrestle there. That's a great insight, man. How can the fans uh, show support in this time off to you? Yeah, just you can follow me on Instagram at Matt Seidel, M-A-T-T-S-Y-D-A-L. I'm on Twitter as well, and I have SideDojo.com where I have some merch, and I also have wrestling training programs where I kind of – some of the footwork drills I talked to you about, I have videos. I have yoga videos that people can buy. Um, What else do we have? Oh, yeah, and uh, you can hit me up on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Matt Seidel. I've got like, you know, eight or ten designs up there. (laughs) If people want to support me, you know, by all means, but I understand it's hard times. I'm not asking anybody for anything. I just want everybody to, uh, you know, take care, spike their hair, wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to plug? No, man. SideDojo.com. 
There you go, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Seidel. Thank you for tuning in to the Pro Wrestling Shoot. I'm your host, Jesse Carter, and you can find me on Twitter at Carter Inc., C-A-R-D-E-R-I-N-C, and on Facebook and Instagram at the Pro Wrestling Shoot pages. Follow the YouTube page as well at Jesse Carter. Uh, all one word. Mr. Seidel, I can't express how, how much I appreciate you being on the show, man. You're great. You're a great guy, and I think the world needs more people like you. I hope to see you back in the ring as soon as possible. Thank you, Jesse. Peace, love, and pro wrestling. Yeah, we are out of time. See you next week on the pro wrestling shoot. Take it easy, Matt. Right.